0: Welcome back to The Extras. My name is Sam. And I'm Jack. It's
1: great to be with you in a new year here on this is our first episode for 2021 That's right, we've been off for a while Had some, some leave, you had some leave of summer sand I did, yeah, almost four weeks off and it
0: was delightful So thank you for, uh, yeah, uh, giving me some time off And you you, go, <laughs> you and D- Dave at one point, I think we're just sort of between the two of you running everything So well, well done to you guys Yeah,
1: holding the fort, but oh, it's been an exciting time at church Especially the last few weeks as we've yep. had easing restrictions And yep. our last Sunday More people around That's right, more people in the building yep. Kids ministry, youth ministry all kicking off again yep. Yeah, it's been yep. a wonderful couple of weeks, eh? And it's been
0: great to get into the Book of Proverbs. So we, we began a, a sort of months-long series uh, with uh, the Reverend Dr. Dan uh, on, right. um, on Sunday. And, uh, and that, was, that was great to have, to have Dan Wu from More College with us, uh, getting a sort of big picture into the Book of Proverbs, thinking about wisdom and folly and, and all these things. And uh, I, I found Sunday fantastic. Too. It was encouraging. Yeah,
1: yeah, really helpful. I think to see those two attributes of God, His love and faithfulness, and mm. see how that wraps up you know, our lives, that's who he is, that's who he calls us to be, wisdom yeah. is living in light of that, yeah, I was richly fed on Sunday. Yeah, same, I came day. away
0: from church just feeling thankful, I was thankful on lots of fronts, but yeah, particularly for, for God's word on Sunday, so that was good, and uh, now Dan is obviously midweek lecturing at Moore College, uh, you know, teaching our, our old MTS's Hebrew at, at, at this point, <laughs> I right. sure. yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, so so in, in his stead, Jack and I are going to have a, a shot at answering Uh, some of the extra questions that we didn't get to in the services on Sunday and uh, yeah we'll do our best and uh, you know anything we can't work out I'm sure if you can try and you know grab Dan after a service, or, or, or really for next week, get your texts in early so that we uh, answer your questions with, with Dan
1: on the day. That's right, yeah. The sooner you get them in during the sermon, the more time he'll have to think them through. So yeah, yeah good thing it, to do. That's it. So All we right. were thinking, Sam and I will basically just kind of you know go back and forth, we'll ask each other a question and we'll, it. we'll puzzle them out together, yeah. So yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, well, can I ask you the first uh, one then? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so it's all around the idea of,
0: of wisdom uh, here, w- which seems to be personified as a, a woman. Uh, we were looking at chapter three, uh, where that's very much the case. Uh, but right through the uh, sort of other chunks of Proverbs as well, that seems to be the idea that, uh, uh, pro- that wisdom is a she. Mm, uh, yeah. What, what, what's the go with that,
1: Jack? Yeah, great observation, and it's really interesting. I find it quite an evocative picture. You have this this figure of um, Lady Wisdom, you sometimes refer to her Mm. as... Yeah, I mean, it is a good question to to tackle. Um, In part, and Dan helped us a little bit with this on Sunday night, in part it is a a grammatical feature of the Hebrew language. Yes, gendered languages. Gendered languages, yeah, and I talked to a couple people on Sunday night, and this, this is a, you know, for some, it's a totally new idea. I mean, if you've studied... Languages like French or German yeah, 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 in school, maybe right. you might yeah. be more familiar Green
0: with it. Latin is like that. Greek's like that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And
1: Hebrew as well. So, some languages, mm. every noun in the language has a, a gender. So, that's in Hebrew, right. everything is either masculine or feminine. Mm. And that doesn't mean that everything is, you know, male or female. It's just that the way the language works, everything yeah. is assigned a gender, if you like. In, you know. in German, dogs
0: are um, a ma- masculine and cats are feminine. But uh, you obviously have male and female dogs and yeah. male and female cats, but the word is grammatically masculine or feminine.
1: Exactly. So in yeah. Hebrew, the word for wisdom is a feminine noun. Yeah. So as you're just talking about wisdom in the abstract, you, kind of, you have to talk about it as a, a feminine thing because yeah. Hebrew verbs have genders as well. So as you're saying wisdom is something or does something, you're saying it in kind of yeah. she is, she does. That's how yeah. it sounds in Hebrew.
0: We have little vestiges of it left in English. Like when you talk about a ship, Sometimes talk about um, a great lady. Yeah, that's right. uh, Or or Lady Britannia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it used to be a thing back It's kind of died. Now we call our ships like Boaty (laughs) McDonald's, which is not so feminine. Yeah, not quite so graceful, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: partly it's this grammatical feature. I I think there's more to say on it, though, as well, Mm. because as you read, particularly Proverbs 1 to 9, which sort of sets up the book with these bigger poems about wisdom, Mm. you see. well, really two ladies, if you like, throughout uh, this this section. You you see Lady Wisdom like the question's asked, but you also see kind of her opposite, which is Lady Folly. Mm. And if you look at uh, Proverbs chapter 9, you see the two of them there together. So Proverbs 9 starts talking about um, Wisdom, who has built her house, she's set up its seven pillars, she's prepared her meat and mixed her wine. You see Mm. Lady Wisdom kind of sets the banquet and calls anyone who will come, you know, come and and learn from me and, and eat my food, you know, learn my ways. Whereas, chapter 9, verse 13, Folly is an unruly woman. Mm. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, calling out yes. to whoever will pass by, you know, come, you foolish people, come and learn from me. You know, you, so you see these two figures, yes. and they're both portrayed as, as women, um, kind of calling to us. Like, you know, you have these two options who are both calling you to come. You can either go with wisdom, which is the way God wants you to go, or you can be led astray by mm. Lady Folly. You have those two things set yeah. up.
0: So a little bit like, uh, and, and the picture here is, a, is, a, is a, of a father sort of instructing a son mm. and you can imagine like in a different context a, a dad speaking to a, a young man his son and saying okay as you're choosing a wife what what kind of woman would you choose uh, you know uh, a wise and godly one or a sort of uh, one who's sort of focused on folly choose the, the good one and and it's, it's except it's not choosing a wife here it's choosing a, a world a, a way yeah. of um yeah choose wisdom over above folly and they're personified almost like a, as, a, as a, a bride or a woman that, that, that's, that the young man could take
1: Yeah, that's right. So it's worth saying, like that doesn't mean that Proverbs is only a book for men or anything like that. Like this is God's word to all of God's people. But it does mean if you are a woman reading the book of Proverbs, at some points you almost need to to kind of mentally translate it because just historically the way the book has been put together, it it is phrased as a father's wisdom for his son, and it still applies to 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 all the daughters out there. But sometimes you just need to kind of flip the categories and and, and
0: see what's there in the rich imagery that, Mm. that this kind of extended metaphor or extended personality qualification kind of sets up for us yeah yeah okay really helpful question yeah, yeah really
1: good let's keep going so yeah. we have got one for you now sam okay uh, looking at verses like proverbs 3 verses 7 to 10 mm. the question is why does god use such concrete physical terms and yeah. i'll unpack that a little bit so proverbs 3 to 7 to 10 let's read it uh this is a chunk from the passage dan was preaching on on sunday yeah do not be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and shun evil This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So I guess the question is, here you have these quite physical, tangible pictures of health, health, blessing, wealth, overflowing vats. You know, why does God give us these words that are so concrete and physical? Sounds kind of, I guess the question here is it sounds, you know, that sort of prosperity... Uh, theology sort of vibe, you know, if you fear the Lord, then you'll be healthy and have lots of wine, like, yeah, yeah, what's going on there?
0: And it's interesting, isn't it, that that is often our first reaction, we go, oh, it's the prosperity Mm. gospel, the problem with that reaction is, this is Holy Scripture, (laughs) so so this is actually, this is not some sort of shady, tele-evangelist saying these things, this is God saying these things, and so we can't just go, oh, change channel, and let's go back to (laughs) Christ on the cross please You know this is uh, here on the pages of the Bible so we need to wrestle with it mm. um, and, uh, and it's interesting I heard Dan uh, address this uh, a little bit on Sunday at uh, at Afternoon Church which is uh, where, where I think this question might have sort of been asked and, and he made the point that we've got to be careful of defining ourselves only in opposition to prosperity preaching at the cost of listening to what does the scripture say itself and, and he mm. made the point that uh, rather than just saying, "Well, because the prosperity preachers say this thing, we'll never talk about it," uh, we actually need to wrestle with, know that the Scripture says this, and and how is it, uh, how is it true? Because it is true, because Scripture says it. Um, yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah. So, so I think in that vein, we need to see that uh, life will go well for you if you live life for the glory of God. Um, it, it, I don't think it's. Um, and, and I think it's the difference here between seeing Proverbs as wisdom and seeing Proverbs as promises. Yeah. And uh, that's a little helpful line that Mike Everett, when he he's when he preaching Proverbs a, a couple of years back, kind of stuck with me at least uh, for, mm. from Mike's preaching. Which yeah, is, unpack that for us. Yeah, yeah that, that these are not promises in, in a sort of, if you do A, B will result in every time and every situation, but rather a sort of a sense of how the world works—that that, that uh, those who honour God, their their life will go well. Doesn't mean that you'll never get sick, and it doesn't mean that you'll never be poor if you're in God's service, because obviously there's broader things that Scripture says about this. But there is a principle here: you you honour God, and life will go well for you. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, on a very practical sense, if if, you're, if you think about your money. Um, God willing, the person who fears God and honors Him will not be out wasting their money by drinking too much or blowing it on gambling or blowing it on, uh, you know, all all the kind of pleasures that this world offers that make you actually more often than not the the, the um, that they'll be generous with their money, uh, but then they'll be shrewd and careful and wise and do all the things that Proverbs says and. If you are shrewd with your money and you don't waste it, well, then more often than not, it accumulates. Yeah, and and uh, this is sort of, ha- and that's part of honouring the Lord, and that's part of how God blesses us, and yeah. So we we need to sort of not just dismiss a verse like this and say that's prosperity theology, mm. uh, but rather think through what what is it actually saying here.
1: Yeah, I think another part of it is seeing that Proverbs is not the whole story on this as well. Um, even mm. in the Old Testament, so yeah. Proverbs is part of the the wisdom um, corpus you know, set of texts in the Old Testament, along with books like Ecclesiastes and Job. And Proverbs sort of gives you like the the 95% of life in a sense. It says, you know, normally in God's world, this is how it works. Yeah, Yeah. if you work hard, if you want to go with your wealth, you will grow in wealth. That's just normally, you know, that's the 95%. And then and a then book like Job yeah. says, "Well, I have followed the rules, and look what's happened. I've got nothing." That's right. That's right. So there's there's more to say, and mm. Proverbs is not saying everything. It's giving you the, the general right. principle.
0: That's yeah. a really helpful point. Yeah, because there are exceptions, and so yeah, and that's that's the sort of therefore Proverbs are wisdom, not promises. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, all right. Let, let, let's uh, keep, keep it going here. So. Uh, do some parts of Proverbs apply only in the Old Testament context and not in the New Testament context? And if so, is there a way to tell the difference? That's the question that's come in.
1: Yeah, really great question. In some ways it kind of relates to the previous because does, yeah. maybe that could be one way to you know get around the prosperity bits to, yeah. you know, inverted commas. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's it's more to say than, than that. I think that, um, yeah, let's unpack it a little bit. First thing to say is I think that in some ways Proverbs is one of the Parts of the Old Testament that feels the most close and natural for us to apply to, you know, the Christian life in a sense, and that's because Proverbs does have this kind of big picture um, creation feel. Like, you know, you look at Leviticus, and you know, this is the, very clearly, you know, the New Testament gives us really clear guidelines that all of that sacrificial system stuff. You know, Jesus is the Lamb of God; he's the last sacrifice. Stacks of that, you know, it's still important for us as scripture and tells us things that we need to know. But it's, you know, we don't follow the sacrificial system. We're not Israelites living under the same covenant. Yes. I think Proverbs is a bit different to that because Proverbs is less about kind of, you know, life as part of the, the Israelite covenant. And it does have this kind of almost international, yeah, creation flavor to it. This is how the world works. And that's yes. there's stuff that you're in Proverbs and it just you just read it and think, yeah, like that that is that's totally how the world works. Yeah, it? that's right. That's what they said three thousand years ago and it's still how it works today. Yeah. Yeah. There's still more to say than that though, because it'd be wrong to push that, you know, too far to the extreme and say, well Proverbs is just all about, you know, life in the world and it's equally applicable to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like this is still old Testament scripture directed for the people of Israel. And I think you see that even in the setup to the book. Like you look at the start of Proverbs chapter one and verse seven, the fear of the Lord Mm. Is the beginning of knowledge the fear of Yahweh, the fear of God? Mm. Yep. That's where wisdom begins, and it's not like you know Proverbs describes wisdom completely independent of life under God. This mm. is for God's people, and so we still need to think hard about how it works for us as an Old Testament book. It's not; it's kind of more applicable to us in a sense, but it's mm. it's still not straight easily. Look, yeah, it's part of the Old Testament, but we we got to say more as well.
0: Yep, yep. No, I bet that's helpful. Yep.
1: I mean, part of the answer is like. We gotta, like any part of the Old Testament, we need to realise that what Jesus says is it's all about Him, right? Mm -hmm. You know,
0: one Corinthians one is wisdom of the world, uh, wisdom of this age versus wisdom of of God.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I often think of um, one Corinthians one verse thirty. He's talking about Paul saying, you know, the Corinthian church looks pretty foolish in the eyes of the world. God's brought together all these, you know, weak and lowly people, and Paul says it's because of Him. Um, which is God, it's because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Mm. Our holiness, our righteousness, our redemption. Jesus is wisdom incarnate. That's the way that Paul puts him forward for us Mm. in the New Testament. And when you look at things like um, the wisdom that Proverbs teaches, you have to read it in light of the fact that if you want to understand what god's wisdom is in the ultimate sense it's jesus mm. and we read proverbs through the lens of christ because he is the the culmination of all god's wisdom yeah 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 what does that mean in practice for it like i think that's worth thinking through as we come to the proverbs as we you know they're old testament texts we do read them through christ what does that mean as we actually come to different parts of the proverbs yeah yeah
0: i mean i think um sometimes i think that 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 concept that's there in 1 Corinthians 1 is that the world will think God's wisdom to be folly. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you will look like the odd one out uh, when you live via God's wisdom and yet God's folly, if you like, as, as 1 Corinthians uses that language, mm. is wiser than than man's strength. Uh, and so sometimes I think by honouring what scripture says it's it's at one level, it's so, it's so obvious that that's the right way to live and yet it's so unusual because so few people do it mm. more people live with lady folly and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, less with lady wisdom as uh sometimes you feel you get the sense that less people are living with christ as lord uh, and more yeah does that make sense yeah to? yeah it does uh, so, so i think part, a, start, a starting point would be be willing to be a bit weird mm.
1: uh to, to live under god's wisdom
0: um yeah
1: yeah double Coming back to the question, do some parts of the proverbs apply only in the Old Testament context? I don't think it's like a, a bitsy oh this proverb is for mm-hmm. us now or is that proverb is just for Israel. Yep. I think it's uh it's a yeah, it's it's a more complex discussion in some ways because all of proverbs is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. And all of it is still God's word to us today. Yeah, and so. in practice it's gonna, you know, as you read an individual individual proverb, there'll be different things to think through for us in Christ. And really that's what this coming Sunday is about, as we mm-hmm. come back and hear Dan Wu again He's going to be taking us deep into one single verse in Proverbs and mm-hmm. all these sorts of things I think we'll see him unpack yep. in the week ahead. Yeah, very good. Okay. So, uh, let's keep going. Yeah, um, let's do it. It's my question to ask next, isn't it? So, yes, go for it. Sam, questions come in. How do you be thankful to God for the things that bring pain and grief? Yeah. Maybe to give it a bit of a context, uh, Dan was talking a bit about how um, many of the good things that we see in the world are you know, the, the gifts that God showers on us to... Uh, to show us that he is the good creator and to help mm. us, you know, reflect that and uh, reflect his glory back and adore him for all the good gifts he gives. Yeah. Yeah. What about the hard things? Yeah. How do we give thanks for the things that don't make us happy, the ones that bring pain?
0: Yeah, uh, look, it's a really good question and it's not its not easy, I think mm. is the first thing I would say. Um, and uh, I, I've got a couple of thoughts though that, I, that I would throw in. I, th- I think the first thing is, I think there is always something to be thankful for, even in the midst of r- really awful things. I mean, obviously... Uh, there is the, the death of Jesus for you, that, that, that God loved you so much that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him won't perish but have eternal life. Uh, and I think that that is really key. Knowing, knowing what is to come uh, ca- can give you joy even when circumstances around you are, are, are horrible. I mean, Hebrews uh, 12 speaks of Jesus enduring the cross and scorning its shame. Why? Why? because of the joy set before him, he knew what was, what was to come in the future, and so he could have joy even in the midst of the cross. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, that is the first thing to say. There's always the gospel to give thanks for, even if everything else around you falls mm-hmm. away. Uh, secondly, I think there's the idea of um, the things of, uh, the common grace kind of ideas in, in the world, even in the midst of horrific bad things, uh, God still sends his son to, to give light in the daytime and mm. still sends rain that, you, that, they, that the world can be sort of nourished and produce food. And even in the midst of tragedy and difficulty, um, there is still beauty and things to be thankful of, yeah. thankful for. I was at a funeral yesterday. And funerals are good places to go, as, as mm. uh, uh, both Proverbs and Ecclesiastes say. Um, that uh and it was it was lots of grief and tears uh but it was there was a there was a i i left there thinking, man, I'm so sad about this death uh and yet as well as jesus uh I was thankful that there were friends there to comfort each other I was thankful that uh we we had good memories to look back on I was thankful for uh, the, the the weather is. We had to stand outside the chapel because there wasn't enough room inside. I was thankful mm. for for the warmth of the sun, and even in the midst of a really hard thing, like, there was there were still things to be thankful for. Yeah. So I'd so say that's the second thing, and then the third thing is I think even the hard things themselves are sometimes opportunities for uh, the practice of godliness and holiness. Mm. Um, so and you, you've got to be careful here because I don't think we want to call bad things good. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think we want to call. Uh, like um, a horrible sickness or a, or a tragic set of circumstances. We don't call that good, we still call it evil, as God does. Yeah. Uh, and yet, I think it provides for us often an opportunity for the trust of God and for mm. the practice of, uh, of faith, the practice of, of uh, patience, of, of endurance. Uh, some of these things that are good uh, for us, uh, that often difficult circumstances provide an opportunity for you to develop your godliness
1: or yeah yeah i think part of why we can give thanks in the midst of those things is by looking forward to what god is doing yeah. in us you know mm. it's romans eight twenty eight. that's right god works all things for the good of those who love him yeah and that good is being conformed to the image of his son yeah that's and right. yeah it doesn't mean you don't cry out and lament and mm. grieve the, the hardship but yes. i think one of the reasons we're able to give thanks is because we can see that god has a greater good in mind that yeah. he wants me to be more like jesus and yes. i am such a, a stubborn sinner that sometimes the only way i'm going to become more yeah. like my lord who i love is yeah. through the the harsh rod of discipline that, that yeah. god gives yeah and that's not easy to endure but i think i can give thanks for it knowing what god is doing and looking forward to yeah. what you know that one day I'll be like Jesus. That that's yeah, that's yeah, where we're that's going. Right. Yeah. And I think
0: to talk to emotions for a minute. Like I think it is possible. Human beings are, are, are complex emotional creatures, capable of more than one emotion at a time. And I mm. think sometimes our world uh, flattens it. That unless you're happy all the time, you're not happy. But I think what what a perhaps a better sense of who we are is you can be grieving. And yet, full of thankfulness Mm. and full of joy at the same time. Those two things are not mutually exclusive, such that in the midst of your grief, you can give thanks. And Mm. in the midst of your happiness, sometimes there's sadness. And uh, we we are capable of both things at the same time. So I don't think we have to think, how do I give thanks for difficult things? I've got to be happy all the time. I don't think that being thankful requires permanent happiness.
1: Yeah, you can almost imagine it like, you know, you're at... Christmas and someone just gives you an absolute dud present and you have to kind of smile. It's like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I, right. I love this shirt. Like, <laughs> right. it's, um, you know, yeah. almost like through gritted teeth just trying to put it on. Like, that's not the picture of exactly. thankfulness for the even the bad things. That's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah okay.
0: Uh, let, let's keep powering along here. So, uh, my ten ask the next question here. Um, how do we know if that, that we are filled by God's love and faithfulness if, as Dan was saying on Sunday the emotion of uh, feeling of love is not the best indicator, e.g. for someone who is depressed. So, yeah, just to flesh that out a little bit on Mm. on Sunday, Dan was was making the point that sometimes our definition of love is not quite on. We we see it as an emotion and as as a feeling, and yet uh, uh, he defined both love and faithfulness sort of slightly differently to how our, our sort of very emotionally driven culture might define them. So... Yeah, so in that sense, how do I know that I'm loved by God if my feelings of love aren't the best God?
1: Such an important question. I mean, what we think about how God feels towards us, this is, you know, right to the heart of the gospel sort of Mm. stuff. So Matt, yeah, thank you for the question. I think to start with, um, it's important that we not only look to ourselves and our own hearts and our our kind of subjective experience as the indicator of reality. Um, Because I think the gospel starts by pushing us outside ourselves, if you want to know that God loves you, um, don't primarily and first look to whether you feel loved. Ultimately, you look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Mm. And, you know, Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love mm. for us in this. The way that God shows his love to to you is that he sent his... He did not even withhold his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all. Mm. Um, that's, the, that's the place to start. The, you know, there's there's no... Um, feeling that I can have that you know however I might feel I think oh you know surely God can't possibly love me if, if I'm feeling that I need to look outside myself to the objective reality that God gave up Jesus and yeah. sent him to die in my place yeah. why? out of love for me there's, there's no clearer statement of God's love than uh, what the cross of Jesus shows us Yeah. Yep. I mean yeah but there's more to say right like how do we then think about our, our feelings you know if we aren't feeling loved what, what do we do with that? Yeah, um,
0: and I mean it's it's a broader question. We're gonna there's another question later on that we're gonna um, think a bit more about emotion in. But um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think there is a sense in, in which we uh, we do need to train our emotions a little mm. bit to be uh, to, to delight and to be harnessed by the things that God says uh, do and will bring us. Uh, uh, the greatest delight, which I think yeah. like the things of the gospel, like we were talking about before, the things that God has given us in the world, um, as Dan was saying on Sunday, those experiences uh, that we reflect back to God, that He's graciously given to me, that that thing that I'm thankful for from last week. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a a habit that's worth cultivating. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, we do that with our children at, at bedtime. Um, it's been a, a, a habit that we've sort of. Built in yeah, that as part of their nighttime prayers, we get our children to pick one thing that they are thankful to God for. Uh, and it's really quite a powerful thing because kids don't always have the best day, sometimes they have mm. hard days and sad days and yet we're trying to train them to see God's goodness even in the midst of the day, and, and sometimes they have to wrestle for it and find it and think about it, but mm. we kind of won't let them go to bed until they've chosen one <laughs> thing that they, they can, and then we, we ask them to say the prayers and to say thanks, God, for mm. this thing, um, and sometimes, the kids have learned, you know, sometimes they're, they're thankful that God loves them. And that's, yeah. that's the thing. But other times, it's thanks that I go swimming in the pool today. Thanks that I could have my friend over. Thanks that I could do these things. And, mm-hmm. and it's teaching them that God is the channel of those blessings and cultivating that, that habit uh, so that they see God as the good giver. That's, yeah. the training is part of what has to happen there.
1: Yeah, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Maybe last thing on this. It's important also to know that like we're all wired different and the way we experience emotions mm-hmm. may be different. So... If, if part of why you feel this, um you know, maybe I don't really know the love of God is because you look at other people and they just seem like they're just, you know, oozing yeah. love and they're just, you know, in this gooey, Bumbly, like, happy... Yeah, just so, well. you know, yeah, yeah. God's love overflowing in me and over me. Like, yeah you know, if you look at that, I think that's just not me. Yeah. Part of the answer to that is, yeah, it is just not you. Mm. um We're not all wired the same on this front. Yeah. And that's why I think tethering yourself to the objective reality is important. Like, know that you are loved. Yeah. And the, the more deeply, the more profoundly you reflect on that and absorb that, like that will, uh, like that will um, in time and with prayer and with growth, you know, you will experience that, mm. but in the way that you've been designed by God to do. And that's going to be different for different yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good. Yep. We'll keep going. I think we're up yeah. to me, aren't we? So, yeah, uh, next question. Uh, this person says, I'm not currently serving. Do I need to. Uh, sorry, let me just read this again. Um, do I need to receive and be fully filled before I can start serving or are you talking about a specific point um, so again yeah, some context yeah, yeah. so yeah. one of the things Dan was talking about is how the move from God's love and faithfulness to yeah. our love and faithfulness kind of goes in that direction and yeah. if we you know are, are out there just thinking that we need to do and do good and, and yeah. serve God and yeah. be in teams that, you know before we can experience God's love and faithfulness that's, that's wrong yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you want to say Sam this person's not currently serving do they need to be mm. received and filled before they can start
0: uh I guess it depends on what do they mean by do I need to receive and be filled I mean uh yes of course you need to receive and be filled uh, that that is the christian life isn't it god mm. loves you before you love him you know 1 john 5 this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice but then the next verse is therefore we should also love each other yeah. in the same way so but it does there is an order of operations here so Really, I guess the question, I don't know who the question asker is, but I, but the question is, are you a Christian? Do do, do you know the love of God? Uh, and if the answer to that is, yes, I do, and I know that God loves me and I understand the gospel, then I think the answer is, well, then go and do likewise through mm. love and service of others. Um, and, I mean, that—that that is everywhere. At Youth on Friday night, they're doing John 13 to 17 with the kids at Salt. Mm. And, uh, you know, John 13... Uh, Jesus shows his disciples the full extent of his love and he washes their feet and then he says to them as I have loved you so now you should love others But th- so there is an order Jesus yeah. loves you first and then you go and do uh, love other others uh, so if you are a Christian uh, you should be serving and loving others
1: yeah, um, so if you are a Christian, it's not as if there's, you know, this second stage, there's, yeah. you know, there's kind of a second tier of super-Christians. Yeah, are the ones I've who really went, got it now, and I'm yeah, ready to serve. Yeah, yeah. If, if you, if you have given, you know, if you have trusted in Jesus, and you, yep. you believe in Him, then yep. you are fully filled, like, yep. you have the Spirit of God, like, yep. you are one of His children, yep. and so start serving, because mm. He has prepared good works for you to do, mm. I think the question we need to tackle a little bit then is well what is serving because there's there's a couple of things to say there as well and yeah. I mean one of the distinctions that I think can be helpful to talk about is sort of informal service versus formal service and those categories um, are not perfect but I think there's mm-hmm. something helpful there that sometimes we think of um, serving is being on a, a team at church Yes. and yeah. that is serving and it's not the totality of serving yeah. and it's an important part of serving yeah. and we want to kind of say all of those things at once, which can be tricky. So maybe yeah. we should tackle them, you know, in, in yeah. order, I guess. Yeah. Um, should we start with serving on a team, that kind of thing? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, I might take a step back before Even I better that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the way I think of my life is that I am a servant. Uh, God mm. has served me. And now in every area of my life, I want to serve. And so I, I want to think through where has God placed me? Well, he's placed me in a family. He's placed me in a set of friends. He's placed me in a workplace. He's placed me in a local church community. Uh, he's placed me in a parents' association of mm-hmm. you know a local soccer club. Uh, all these different places, other, yeah. You know, a gym. Uh, all all these things where God has placed me, and what I want to do is I want to in every one of those places be a servant. Uh, yeah. Because that is how God has treated me, and I know what God has done for me. So I want to serve in every arena. I want to think through. When I'm in my workplace, how can I do good to those around me and do things that might inconvenience me but make their life better? Because I want to serve them uh, and bring that attitude there. And I want to think that through uh, in my family. When I'm at home, how do I not just sit around and let everybody else do everything, but how do I think of each person in my family and think, how can I serve them? And I bring that attitude just as, as part of my local church gathering. In fact, perhaps especially so in my local church gathering where I'm gathered with other like-minded brothers and sisters uh, have a sense of how do I serve and love them. And so the the person says, I'm not serving. I I really hope that doesn't mean that in every element of my life, I'm just a taker. Yeah. Uh, Because I think at that point, that's a really worrying sign. Um, I'm assuming that what they mean is, I'm not serving on a team at church. Yeah. Uh, And I would want to say... Think holistically about your life. Mm-hmm. That at every point you should be serving. And if you're a, if you're part of if you're a you know member of St Paul's, that is that should be a key part of your life. Your church community is is foundational and important. Um, and so you should be thinking about how to serve there just as much as you think about how do you serve your family, how do you serve your friends, how do you serve your workplace.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's not any specific set of actions. It's a, it's a mindset, yeah. or it's anything else. It's, yeah. it's considering others better than yourself. Mm. It's putting other people first before your needs. Yeah, and so I hope that for for every every Christian, as we turn up to church on Sunday, um, our mm. mindset is, how can I serve the the yeah. people of God tonight? And yeah. you can serve the the people of God whether you're on you know a particular roster or a team tonight or not. Yeah, you know, you can serve people as you think about where you're going to sit, you know, who's someone here who's on their own, who might need a friend, you know, who can I go and talk to who I haven't met before and encourage. Yeah, You can think about um, serving people in, you know, in going deeper, you know, as I'm thinking about what question am I going to ask next in this conversation? Am I just going to reach for, you know, the cricket or mm. something else superficial how can i actually yep. encourage this person in their walk with jesus even if that might be you know mm. something i'm not totally comfortable doing it's a mindset thing it's it's wanting yep. to put others before yourself
0: but but i think i would say as well as the mindset it, it can't just be organic mm. if that makes sense because if if let I me mean, take the shift it out of church for a minute and go back to the family let's say you're in a part of a big family right eight ten kids right yeah if everyone's just like you know what I just see where I can serve this weekend. Hope there's an opportunity for me to serve in my family. Someone's got to cook the dinner, <laughs> at ten times. You know, what I mean? and yep. someone's got to make ten beds, and someone's got to wash ten sets of clothes, and someone's got. And big families like that require a degree of organisation. Hats off if you're a, you know, if you're a parent of a big family. Mm. Your, you know, your ability to pull a machine machine together to make a family run. Uh, needs some organisation and needs people to understand what their role is and commit to it and do it. Yeah, It's true in family. I think St. Paul's, a church like St. Paul's, is a big family. Massive family. A huge family. And Mm. so if everybody's just kind of like, you know what? We'll just rock up and see if I can encourage someone. Do 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 that. Yeah, But also understand that to make a family like ours work, we need some organisation. We need Mm. someone uh, to kind of say, hey, can you take care of this part of the family? Can you take care of this part of the family? Can you... Be you know, make sure you're there and on time, and make it happen. Because otherwise, if you can't play your role, the family can't operate. Yeah, that's and, right. I, and so I think I'd want to say, as well as just come with a ser- with a servant-hearted mindset. Don't hold back from saying, and "I'm gonna gonna sign up for a team uh, and and be accountable to being on that team and being being there when they're on and mm. all that kind of stuff." Rather than just going, oh, "I'll just serve when I when I see the opportunity." Yeah, yeah. So dive in.
1: I hope you can see that, like there's stacks in that answer, right? Like it's Ooh. it's a really multifaceted thing, and it it's hard is. to hold it all together. Like maybe one way that helps crystallize it a little. I think we're saying, like serving is it's not it, it's more than you know being on a team. It's not less than yeah. necessarily. Maybe yeah. that's a way to capture. I, I think that's exactly right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's a good good crystallizing of it all. All right, we got two to go. We probably should pick up the pace here. So let's let's, it. Um, let's bring it home. Uh, I'm asking you. Yep. Any tips for faithless speech? and speaking blunt speech in love I'm not fully sure what the question's getting at here Jack but it seems to be a question about <laughs> they want tips and yep. uh, they're thinking in the context of, of, of faithless speech or blunt speech and perhaps how to how to perhaps have a loving, sure, yeah. loving speech but hey look, you
1: take that as a free hit and Indeed. tell us what you want to say about speech I reckon yeah I mean any tips for faithless speech don't do it <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's my, my pro tip to start with um, yeah <laughs> nice, like nice. Uh, there's, there's stacks we can say with this question I mean a couple of things that you know, Sam and I were talking about before is just if you flip flip open to any page in Proverbs, particularly chapters yeah. 10 to the end, yeah. you will find uh, something here about what wisdom with our, our, our mouths and our yeah. tongues looks like. Because one of on the speech. big concerns of Proverbs is how we speak. Yeah, I mean, I just flipped open before and opened up to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Hmm. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Hmm. And this is one of those Proverbs, I think Dan was saying this on Sunday, that it... It's not kind of the end of the story, like the proverb like evokes you to think further and, you know, start yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of meditate on it and chew on it and you you think and you're like, Yeah, actually if you're in, you know, some difficult conflict sin situation, sometimes just, you know, saying talking more and making excuses and yeah. you know, continuing the argument, getting, Does, you know. Doesn't help. Doesn't help. Like yeah. sometimes wisdom is being quiet and yeah, holding I'm, your tongue, yeah, you know. That's right. So look, there's there's one tip. I mean, the the second part of this question I think is really important. Um Blunt speech in love, like, that's that's a really crucial phrase, I think, and it's worth thinking through a bit more. Like, we rattled off that phrase, you know, speak the truth in love a lot. That comes out of Ephesians chapter 4. Mm. Um, really worth meditating on a phrase like that. Um, blunt speech in love, I think there's two ways you could take that idea. Yeah. The first is to speak bluntly, and but, but to be claiming to speak in love. You know, this is, you know, you're at, you know, someone in a growth group just gives you a really harsh mm. rebuke and says, look, you know, that thing that you said, like, the thing you're struggling with just stop it just don't like that's you know you can speak in a blunt way that's you know careless and um just quite mean and but say oh but you know i'm giving you a, a, a word of tough love you know i'm telling you the truth here you know i'm, I'm trying to love you you know just take it you know like, like you can be harsh in a way that's just cruel and claim to be loving mm. and that's not that helpful conversely though sometimes speaking the truth and love means being blunt yeah. i think there are times when we need to you know stop being around the bush and and Speak with people and, and just tell it like it is and say, like, yes, that, that thing that you're doing is wrong. And as your brother in Christ, I want to urge you to, to put that to death and you know, let's pray about it. You know, like, bluntness can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know what else to say with that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I often use the little line sometimes uh, truth
0: without love is like sandpaper, whereas love without truth is like jelly. Mm. Is that Proverbs chapter? Uh, <laughs> that Pro- chapter Pro- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a really yeah. helpful image. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think we, we know that, don't we? Mm. So sometimes one is bluntness and one is a lack of bluntness. Yeah. and uh, But love seems to be the key uh, that, that needs to underlie it all. But hey, we're going to hit more Proverbs in the weeks ahead. I mean, that's right. It's
1: probably, yeah. All good. All right, last question. Let's, uh, let's bring it home. It's a long one, so why don't we summarise it up? I'll summarise the question, yeah. So yeah. someone's... Um, Written in thinking about uh, emotions and our worship of God, and if yeah. I could summarize the question, um, well, the person themselves summarized the question at the end, really, could you please describe how our affections, our emotions, fit in with our worship of God? Yeah. You know, we can think about being, you know, coldly intellectual, we think about being over-emotional, and all that confusion, is it important for us to engage our emotions as we come to God? Yeah. Yeah. Um, great question.
0: Uh, we, we've sort of already sort of, uh, flirted with the ideas of emotion so far in, in this episode. So, mm. um, I think we've said some of what needs to be said. Um, there certainly is, I think the question asker here is, is sort of reflecting on, uh, I guess sometimes in our sort of, uh, tribe of Christianity, we might be open to the charge of sort of, um, Outright ejecting, uh, sort of ejecting emotions in mm. the in the in under the guise of saying we don't want to be uh, kind of just slaves to our emotions and, and open to the charge of emotionalism uh, that we're not we've lost that objectivity of the love mm. of God for us and and uh, sometimes the charge can be leveled. Look, you just sort of chucking them out completely and there's no place to just be cool rational. Logical people who you know, know truth and get on with it.
1: Yeah, in some ways it probably relates to. I mean, what you were saying before at the start about prosperity theology. You know, yeah. you know, it might be said that you know we, we look at Pentecostal and charismatic forms of Christianity exactly, and we yeah. could kind of caricature it as just being this emotional, excessive, ecstatic yeah. thing. And we say, no, nah, we don't want anything to do with that. Jelly. So we run exactly the other way and just yeah. go up sandpaper mode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that's exactly right. And uh, and I think again that 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 won't do. Mm. Um, uh, because, as, as um, Dan was saying on Sunday, was there is a sense in which, you know, in that sort of that really helpful image that he had of, of the sun shining and the mirror reflecting back and this yeah. sort of joy of, of reflecting God's goodness back to him uh, needs to be part of our life. And that will, by by just the nature of how human beings are made up, in- include and invoke our emotions. Um,
1: yeah, how can it not? I mean, when you think of the love of God poured out for us in creation and all the good he lavishes on us... Yep. And most of all in Jesus, bringing us back from the brink of destruction and bringing yeah. us like, like mm. when the Bible calls us to rejoice, it's not telling us to do something that yeah. should be unnatural. Like, how, how good is all of that? Like, yeah, and, right. and the gospel should and must you know, grab mm. our hearts mm-hmm. and, and stir up our affections. If, if your Christianity is only ever intellectual and rational and logical, I think there's something missing there. Yeah, because we, right. we are people with hearts and we, what God has done is amazing and should amaze us and that should overflow in our emotions, I think. And I, but I think tied
0: to that, as we've sort of said already in the episode, there is a sense in which you do need to train your emotions and harness them onto um, the the best things, mm. uh, which are the things of God. And uh, I think uh, emotions are very powerful things and can can powerfully help you in your Christian life, but can also powerfully distort your Christian life. And so and so you do need to sort of take take charge of your your emotions and and point them in the direction that they are designed to be pointed in, which is why I think Paul commands us to rejoice in the Mm. Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Sometimes in the midst of your hardship your circumstances can kind of overwhelm you and and, uh, sort of cause you to forget all the good that God has done and cause you to lose your joy. And so at that point Paul is almost kind of commanding you to harness your emotions back to the Lord and His goodness and find great joy you know see, in the midst of prison in the midst of suffering in the midst of hardship he can, he has great joy
1: yeah maybe landing it for you know say what we do at church yeah um, like I hope that our churches are a place where emotions are a part of what we do yeah. in a rightly ordered gospel kind of way because yeah. it could be possible for us to just say alright if the goal is emotions well, let's just ramp it up look smoke machines yeah. lights like get the, yeah. the ambient music you know yeah. the, the music swell like you can you can manipulate emotions yep. in a yep. fairly easy way but that's to kind of disconnect emotions from the objective realities of what God's done. Like, I want us always to be responding with our emotions to mm. the gospel truths. And I think that order is important. Mm. That what God has done should stir us up. Yep. But we don't, just want, don't want to get stirred up for the sake of it.
0: No, but interestingly, um, so it's tricky there because what can also happen is we, we see therefore things like lights or smoke machines, for instance, as inherently bad things. Uh, as if they're, they're only used to, uh, you know, manipulate or something like that. Whereas I think there is a sense in which um, circumstances and, and things can also uh, kind of add to and, and enhance our, yeah. our, our, our joy and our gladness in the same way that as you go to a performance of a piece of music... Um, the the way in which the lighting is done on the performer at the right moment uh, doesn't it's not creating an emotion that's not already there it's a very emotive beautiful song mm. but it it enhances and uh, makes even more powerful what was already a good thing and yeah. so there is are you being manipulated when you go to the opera mm. or is or is the opera really just a beautiful heartwarming story of love that makes you feel something totally yeah so but I think
1: it, at that point like the kind of the content matters right the content is what is key exactly And but then we can use worldly tools
0: to Mm. um, uh, to to enhance yeah but we can also if there's no content use the worldly tool uh, when there's
1: nothing exactly I think that's the distinction it's really important to make yeah Yeah. we want to Use all these things to, to guide us and to help us appreciate the impact mm. of the gospel. But if there's nothing there to appreciate, then it yeah. is just this empty emotionalism.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's interesting. Like, I mean, I've got had a bit of responsibility for the tech stuff at church. And when we put lights into the church, I remember when we opened the building a couple of years ago. The number of people who said to me, "Oh, we've got lights now. Have we gone full caro? Have yeah. we?" <laughs> and I know what they're getting at. there. Yeah. But I don't think lights lights are not good or bad or, or manipulative or whatever in and of themselves. The way you use yeah. them. Uh, and so I think you can use lights like I love the way the lighting was done at the Christmas service it's Fantastic! Incredible. Yeah, yeah really, helped really and there's this beautiful moment where in, in um, uh, one of the songs Mary's Child where the two mm. our two singers were singing and the lights went to blue and they sung and it was just oh it's powerful really really awesome largely because I mean the, the contents there in that song and in, but, but the way it was done and then the, the lights really helped it but they don't they don't create what like there's not like the lights are making something that wasn't already exactly, there. Exactly, yeah. But without them, I'm not sure it would have been as good.
1: Yeah, it's uh You you know, you're kind of going like with the grain of the mm. gospel. It's like, yeah. is the external stuff kind of cutting across purposes and yeah. injecting something artificial, or is it? No, that's yeah, right. I think enhancing is a good word for it. It's mm. going with what's there,
0: which I think means that in all this, you need really careful wisdom, um, mm. and you, you should you should have a healthy distrust of yourself and an, <laughs> an ability that you, you think we don't want to be manipulators but we also want to we want to make things as as wonderful and as helpful as they can be and so let's think hard and carefully about things like technology and how they can help us uh, just to use one one illustration
1: yeah. and all of that means yeah we need wisdom we and need wisdom. we need we need proverbs and yeah. that's where we're going to keep going um, yeah. I think that's the end of our questions for today yeah but we are really looking forward to having Dan back on Sunday as we open up, I think, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 24, I think, is what we're looking at. So if you want to read ahead, it'll be a a brief cast for you. You can go and have a look at that verse. (laughs) We look forward to Dan opening up the Word of God with us on Sunday. All right. Thanks, Jack. We'll see you all next Sunday. See you later.